Welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. You know, in all of human history, only two nations have been founded in covenant with Almighty God. In all of human history, only two nations have been founded in covenant with Almighty God. Now think about what that means, to be in covenant from the very foundation, the very beginning, the very launching of that nation. Now, I think most of us, if you've read your Bible, you're aware that one of those nations is the nation of Israel. When they were delivered from Egyptian slavery, brought across the Red Sea on dry ground, through the wilderness, across the Jordan River on dry ground, and into the land that God had promised to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then they entered into covenant and that, that that nation was founded in covenant with Almighty God. But I would like to read to you a compact. Now a compact is a document that is written and signed. It's a legal document. And uh, listen to this compact that was signed by those men on the Mayflower when they were sitting in the harbor and they were about to disembark the ship, go on land, and establish the Plymouth Plantation, which would be the launching of the United States of America. Listen to this document that they signed. In the name of God, amen. We whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord King James, by the grace of God of Great Britain, France, and Ireland, King, defender of the faith, etc., having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith. Listen to what they said. The reason that they came to America having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith and honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, do by these presents solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and of one another covenant and combine ourselves together in civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid, and by virtue herein to enact, constitute, and frame such just and equal laws, ordinances, acts, constitutions, and offices from time to time as shall be thought most most meet and convenient for the general good of the colony under which we promise all due submission and obedience. In witness whereof we have undersubscribed our names at Cape Cod the 11th of November in the year of our sovereign King Lord James of England, France, and Ireland the 18th and of Scotland the 54th, 1620. 
AD. They were making a covenant with themselves and with Almighty God specifically to found a new nation and for the advancement of the Christian faith. I have found most people under the age of 50 have never read the Mayflower Compact and have no idea that that was the founding document and the true purpose and aim of establishing this nation. Wow. I wonder how many are aware of the significant events that took place on July 1st, July 2nd, July 3rd, and July 4th of 1776. Now, I, 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 I know that you're probably faintly aware of what maybe took place on July the 4th. But are, are you really aware of what happened those four days? God impressed strongly upon me that I was to share with you a bit of the story and why. The colonists of North America were looked upon and spoken about and generally treated as a lesser form of human species by the king of Great Britain and the parliament and even the general populace of Great Britain. They were not permitted to manufacture and trade goods outside of their own colonies. Exorbitant taxes were levied upon them and yet they were not allowed to send representatives to the very parliament that wrote the laws that governed them and levied the taxes that were demanded of them. The regents and government officials sent by the king and the parliament to enforce those laws and taxes were permitted by law to enter the businesses and the homes to search and confiscate whatever goods they deemed appropriate without warrant. Yet the colonists were required to house and feed the very men who were oppressing them. The colonists wrote appeal after appeal to the king and to the parliament, receiving no redress or relief. Indeed, the oppression grew worse. And godly pastors and dedicated Christian leaders were urging restraint and further appeal while also urging preparation for personal protection against unwarranted aggression by a tyrannical government. The Boston Massacre signaled a clear and present danger. The words of John Hancock, president of the Massachusetts Provincial Congress, reveal the heart of the colonists. Addressing the Provincial Congress in Massachusetts, October of 1774, he said, quote, we think it is incumbent upon this people to humble themselves before God on account of their sins. For he hath been pleased in his righteous judgment to suffer a great calamity to befall us, 
as the present controversy between Great Britain and the colonies. Also to implore the divine blessing upon us that by the assistance of his grace, we may be enabled to reform whatever is amiss among us, that so God may be pleased to continue to us the blessings we enjoy and remove the tokens of his displeasure by causing harmony and union to be restored between Great Britain and these colonies. You know, I find it so interesting that today there's almost a total denial that a great many, if not the majority of the men leading the colonies at that time were dedicated Christian men. Yes, many of them were deists. And like Benjamin Franklin, many of them were not even good deists. But I want to say to you, as you're going to see, there was a good many of them that were dedicated, sold out Christian, godly men, such as you just heard from John Hancock. Maybe many of you never knew that John Hancock was that much of a dedicated man of God. Notice his appeal to God was for unity and harmony, not rebellion and civil disorder. But the shot heard around the world took place on April 19th, 1775, when a British force entered Lexington, Massachusetts, on a mission to confiscate the guns of the colonists. A word of warning had arrived ahead of the British force, and a small group of 70-plus men of the Minutemen militia gathered on the town green. John Parker, commander of the Minutemen in Lexington, gave clear instruction, quote, do not fire unless fired upon. But if they want to have a war, let it begin here. When the large British force came upon the Lexington Green, the commanding officer, Major John Pitcairn, ordered his men not to fire. And sensing that he was losing control of the usually disciplined British force, he commanded them to stay in rank and do not fire. When suddenly a pistol shot rang out. The only pistols that day on the Lexington Green were in the hands of British soldiers. Seven Minutemen fell on the green. But later that day, 300 British forces would fall from a musket ball of a Minuteman. Conflict was forced upon the colonists. As General Washington and the militia entered the towns and cities, they would discover heartbreaking scenes. All of the churches that were not Church of England had been desecrated. Some were used for horse stables. Others were burned. All of them, all of them suffered some measure of damage and dishonor. The Second Continental Congress were in meeting at Philadelphia in the early months of 1776. Working diligently on yet another appeal, this time directly to King George. However, the king and the parliament of Great Britain declared war on the colonies. June 6, 1776, at the Second Continental Congress, they received a resolution to sever ties with Great Britain and establish an independent state. 
They appointed a committee of John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, Robert Livingston, and Robert and Roger Sherman to write a formal document. Then the Congress recessed for three weeks and would reconvene on July 1, 1776. The committee urged Thomas Jefferson to write a draft for them to study and consider. Jefferson was uniquely qualified and prepared by God for this great task. He had spent years studying the nation's history, the history of the nations of the world, meaning, and their forms of government. He was an expert, literally an expert, one of the most knowledgeable men at that time in the world on the forms of government in human history. He had discovered the most successful and the greatest government where the people enjoyed the greatest freedoms and liberties was the early years of the history of the nation of Israel. As long as the Israelites followed the pattern set by God, they were strong, they were free, and they prospered. It was upon these basic fundamentals that Thomas Jefferson based the principles of the Declaration of Independence. I would gather most of you in this room had no clue that was the true basis of the Declaration of Independence. July the 1st, the Continental Congress reassembled and debate resumed regarding the resolution to dissolve the ties of the mother country and to establish a completely independent state. On July the 2nd, the document prepared by Jefferson was read and accepted by the committee, was presented to the Congress. Debate on that document ensued that day and on the next day. The structure of the Congress required a unanimous vote to approve the resolution and to adopt the declaration. All of the delegates were fully aware of the gravity of the decision they were debating. If it was agreed upon and then the colonists were to lose the war, each and every one of them would be hunted down and tried for high treason against Great Britain. The penalty for high treason in Great Britain was one, hanged by the head until unconscious. Number two, cut down and revived. Number three, disemboweled and beheaded. Number four, cut into quarters and each quarter boiled in oil. Number five, then scattered abroad so the last resting place of the treasonous offender would remain forever unnamed, unknown, and unhonored. These men knew well the danger they were facing. But as July the 4th dawned, debate continued. A unanimous consensus grew among the members of Congress as the last remaining colony, Delaware, voted in favor of the resolution and the document. 
The declaration was adopted and silence fell over the room. Some stared out the windows. Many, their heads were bowed in prayer. Most of the men openly wept. It was John Hancock who broke the silence as he stood and said, Gentlemen, the price on my head just doubled. Chuckles were heard around the room. Then Samuel Adams rose and solemnly spoke. We have this day restored the sovereign to whom alone men ought to be obedient. He reigns in heaven and from the rising to the setting sun may his kingdom come. Three 143 men put their lives and the lives of their family members on the line as they set forth the document and authorized the publication of what would become known as the amazing Declaration of Independence of the United States of America. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety, happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate the governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. When a long train of abuses, usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, invents a design to reduce them to under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies 
And such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. This, the history of the present king of Great Britain. We must never forget the great price for the freedoms that we have the privilege to now live. What's the point? Why is God reminding us of these things today? These men put their very lives and the lives of their families on the line for a cause worth dying for. They understood. The 47 men that signed the Declaration of Independence understood that they would be hunted down, they would be, that they would be chased after, that they would spend, if they did not win the War of Independence, they would and their families would give their very lives for the cause they had signed their name to. March the 23rd, just one year before the Declaration of Independence, which was signed on July the 4th. March 23rd, 1775. In the Virginia House of Burgesses, a deeply committed Christian known for his oratory skills, famously known for his oration. Patrick Henry made this speech. There's no longer room for hope. If we wish to be free, we must fight. May I remind you, it was only one month before the Lexington Green that he made this speech. If we wish to be free, we must fight. An appeal to arms and to the God of hosts is all that is left us. They tell me that we are weak, but shall we gather strength from irresolution? We're not weak. Three million people armed in a holy cause of liberty and in such a country are invincible by any force which our enemy can send against us. We shall not fight alone. God presides over the destinies of nations and will raise up friends for us. The battle is not to the strong alone. It is to the vigilant, the active, the brave. Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. See, this, this was the heart of these men. Men like George Washington, who would be our first president. Men like John Hancock, 
Samuel Adams, which we've heard quotes from already. Godly men. Men like Hamilton and Madison, who were the authors of our Constitution, who put their very lives on the line. But dear ones, there is yet a greater cause because there is yet a greater enemy, an enemy that every one of us face and we must establish our heart that we will stand and fight the cause no matter what it costs. Jesus himself warned us. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Make no mistake of it. Lucifer and the powers of darkness have one goal and one objective alone. To destroy your life. To destroy the life of your family. To destroy the lives of your children, your grandchildren. To destroy this nation. To destroy the city in which we live. All we need to do is look around us. When is the last time you took a really careful look around you? Maybe you're privileged like Wanda and I to live in a neighborhood where it's not quite so visible. But all, all we have to do is just drive a handful of blocks and we can see the devastation from drug addiction, from abuse of alcohol. The outcome of anger. Resentment, bitterness. Folks, do we, do we really have to look that far? Do we have to look to the school in Florida? Do we have to look to Texas? Do, do we really have to see our national news? Many of us can see it inside our own families. We can see the devastation of alcohol abuse, of, of uh, sexual exploitation of drug addiction. We, we can see it inside our, our own neighborhoods, the apartment complex where we live. We can see it down the street or a few blocks over from us. We can see it. We can see it in our own city. The devastation that comes when Satan has an open gateway to work his work. He wants to destroy us. Folks, we are in a war. It is a war against the powers of darkness that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, what do we know? We know that the Lord Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, has conquered Satan, has conquered Lucifer, has conquered the powers of darkness. Amen? Amen. But we also know this, that for Satan to advance his goal, all he needs is for us to just cooperate a little bit. 
to just give him some measure of appeasement, to try and live in appeasement. It's, it's, it's crazy, isn't it, that we have still not grasped the reality. You cannot appease terrorism. You cannot make a peace pact with a terrorist. Wouldn't, wouldn't you think that we would learn from history when, when Neville Chamberlain and the, uh, the world order at that time, it wasn't called the United Nations then, but it was the, it was the, it was the forefather of the United Nations, and, and they, they made several appeasements with Hitler and the Nazi government only for Hitler to not just take the Rhineland, but then he took Austria. And then they made another peace agreement with him when he took Austria. And then they made a peace agreement with him and gave him Sudetenland. He didn't just want Sudetenland. He took all of Czechoslovakia. And then came Poland. And then came Holland and Denmark. And then all of Europe, right? And then the bombing of Great Britain. There was only, that you, you cannot make those kind of appeasements with the power of darkness. And we try to do that with Lucifer in our life. We try to live in appeasement with him. But I want to tell you something. When you only have half liberty, you are still in total bondage. But listen to what Jesus Christ has done for us. When Jesus Christ said to you and I, but I've come that you might have life in that more abundantly. The apostle Paul wrote it this way when he said that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us in the kingdom of his dear son. Now here's, here's, here's the, the key. We've got to live in the kingdom We've got to live in kingdom authority and kingdom power because when we live in kingdom power and kingdom authority, then at that point, we live in true liberty. That's why the apostle Paul wrote to the, wrote to the church of Galatia and said, it is for freedom that Christ has made us free. Stand fast. Amen. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Don't give him an area of jurisdiction. Don't even give him a little crack in the window because when he gets a little crack in the window, he's not gonna be content with that little crack in the window. He's gonna shove the whole window open. He's gonna come in. He's not gonna be content with just having an open window. He is going to take over the entire household. That's how he works. You've got to stand in liberty. The only way that you're going to truly live and walk in liberty is the same way our founding fathers. You've got to defeat the king and all of his forces. Listen to how the apostle Peter wrote it in 1 Peter chapter 5. Beginning at verse six. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. 
Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, and strengthen, and settle you. Resist him. The apostle James wrote it this way in chapter four. I have chapter five up there. It's supposed to be chapter four. I hate it when my computer makes a mistake. <laughs> chapter four, verse seven, he said this. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But the word resist in the Greek isn't like, I wish the devil would leave me alone. He keeps, oh, pray for me, Brother Dave, because the devil's beating up on me. I want to resist him. That's not resisting. That's whining. The word resist literally means great aggression aggressively so what do we need to do one submit ourselves to God that word submit isn't what most women think when they say submit yourselves to your husband they think oh I've got to just kind of be like a little puppy dog I got to stay barefoot and pregnant and make my hubby happy that's not that's not what it means at all That's not even close. It's a military term. The word submit is a military term. And it means to be in rank and file. So this is a little sidebar. No charge. You ready? Gals, this is just for you. Okay, ladies, open your ears. Listen up. Okay, who's more important? The general or the private? Who's more important? The general or the private? Ah, all of you said the general, didn't you? You're wrong. No general is going to win a war without the private. No private's going to win the war without the general. Who's more important? They're equal. They're not equal in rank. They're not equal in authority. But they're equal in worth and in importance. The private's not less than the general. The general's not more than the private. They just have a different function. Come on, amen? Amen. And that's what God is saying. Align yourself right. Come on, align yourself right with Almighty God. Here's the secret for aligning yourself right with Almighty God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And, and, And one gospel says, and with all thy strength. Look, love God. If you love God with all your heart, you know what? You're gonna keep his commandments. You're gonna, you're gonna walk in obedience to him. You, you're gonna love him. You're gonna adore him. You're gonna, you're gonna have a relationship with him. And I wanna tell you, it will be a relationship that no demon on earth will be able to sever. Yeah. Who shall separate us from the love of God? 
Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So when you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you're going to be in right alignment, and you're going to have the strength and the power to win this war victoriously, and there will be no room for the enemy to have an area of jurisdiction to wrap you in chains and to hold you in slavery. You will walk in the liberty that Jesus Christ has given to you. Come on, amen? Here's number two. You got to resist him. You got to resist him. Folks, we play, we play games with the devil way too much. Come on. Can I just say to you, enjoying a little bit of darkness for recreation is about like me giving you a glass of Pepsi with just a tiny, minuscule bit of horse pucky in it. Amen. Not one of you would drink that Pepsi. You go, ooh, it's got horse stuff in it. And you wouldn't drink. But at the same time, you will do that with the world. You will entertain yourself with a little bit of the world's horse pucky. And go, boy, that is so good, it is so fun. Really? Not, not realizing it's defiling your soul and it's giving a window to the enemy? Don't give him that window. Close that window. Love God with so much of your heart, soul, mind, and strength that the enemy is closed off no matter how he tries to come against your house. He is closed off. He has no entrance because you're not giving him an entrance because you're so in love with Almighty God. Come on, amen? amen. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And this is how you walk in liberty. This is is how you walk in liberty. Six long years. The war went on. Oh, there, was, there, was, there was some defeats along the way. There was a big defeat at New York. But man, inch by inch by inch by inch, Sometimes only a half an inch. The colonists were pushing back the strongest army in the world at that time. And finally, October 19th, 1781, at Yorkton, Washington defeated Cornwallis. The colonists had their liberty. And they were free to establish the government of the United States of America. There's a reason that our nation has been the strongest nation in the history of mankind and the nation with the greatest amount of liberty. And the reason is because it was founded in covenant with Almighty God. And our, our form of government was founded upon the word of Almighty God. But every time we've turned our back on him, we, we have suffered crisis. Every time. Whether we want to talk about the Wall Street crash, whether we want to talk about our, our 
civil war or whether we want to talk about some of the things that we have suffered. The cultural war of the 1960s and the cultural war that we're facing right now today because we've turned our back on the living God. In 2001, when President George W. Bush called for the meeting of reconciliation at the Washington Cathedral, and he asked Dr. Billy Graham to be the keynote speaker. There was a great belief across the nation that this was a turning time. From the time of the horror of September 11th of that year until December of that year, one million new people went to church in America. But by the end of that year, they were leaving in droves. And they said, because going to church, they didn't find the answers for which they were looking. The day of reconciliation at the Washington Cathedral, I knew America was in deep, deep, deep trouble. More trouble than we would ever believe. And here's why. Our president, who openly claimed to be a born-again Christian, instead of turning to Almighty God and crying out to Almighty God, he opened that meeting of reconciliation having a Muslim imam pray to Allah the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only he didn't call him the Lord, the Father of Jesus Christ. I literally fell on my face on the floor crying because I knew he had made the same mistake that the kings of Israel made over and over and over again. Instead of turning to Almighty God, they turned to syncretism and they tried to blend the worship of Almighty God with the worship of idols. And that president brought his own doom and the doom of this nation by not openly turning. If we had openly turned to the living God that day, we could have crushed the enemy. But we didn't. And we've been in how many years of war, fighting the war of terrorism? And it's going to continue until we turn our face back to Almighty God. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.